Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's uh, it's good to see you, my man. How you doing? It's great. I'm glad you could squeeze me in between your uh, basketball palooza, Sean. You've been writing every single day about basketball. You're, you're, you're hunting through the Internet, Twitter, MySpace, uh, you know, anywhere you can find any morsel of basketball news because it's basketball season, of course, um, around here, hot and heavy. So thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's not basketball, though. It's the Pistons specifically. And I, I don't remember the last time that the news cycles required us to write about the Pistons this often. And in terms of hunting on Twitter, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, you, you don't have to hunt far, do you, to find, to find him trying to defend himself, defend the bad boys, take down the young guys these days. It's just... Uh, it's it's really something. We can get into him in a, in a, in a minute, but um, but the Pistons have made some news recently, uh, and I'm not talking about almost setting a franchise record for losses. They were uh, 17 and whatever it was. Uh, I got I can't remember how many how many wins they actually they actually had. 17 wins. 17, how many, I mean, losses, 17 and 65. That sounds right. That's 82. Yes, you're the mathematician. You're the smart one in this podcast. But uh, yeah, they were a game away from setting an all time record for franchise or tying an all-time record for franchise losses. And Carlos, let me ask you this because they have that record. I think they won 20 games the season before or maybe 20, the two seasons before and 22 or 23. Anyway, you add up the three years that Troy Weaver has been the, uh, the general manager. And you think about how many losses Dwayne Casey had. And yet yesterday, or let's just say earlier in the week, Troy Weaver met with the media to talk about the the end of the year and potentially what he wants in a coach. And Dwayne Casey was there, and he spoke before Troy Weaver. So here you have a coach who resigned slash was probably gently asked to go up to the front office, although Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver both insisted it was Dwayne Casey's decision. Oh, yeah. In in any case, and yeah, right. In any case, here you've got, Troy Weaver coming in the end of Dwayne Casey's press conference, standing up with him, putting his arm around him, talking about him taking bullets and what he's meant to the franchise. You just don't see that very often at all when you've got a three-year record. I mean, I understand why he did it, and the players really like Casey, and he's got a long track record of developing young guys, and so maybe that's smart in the long run to keep him around as somebody that you can talk to and, and call upon and go sit in the office and that sort of thing. But can you recall a situation where a coach – loses that much, and first of all, he even has a press conference. And secondly, then the GM comes and kind of talks about him the way Weaver does. It's just, it's an odd deal a little bit. I was curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's, usually it's a clean break, right? I mean, you're you're done, it's, uh, you're out the door as a coach. You don't usually have this kind of a soft landing. Um, and I, I don't really understand it. You know, I mean, I, I, I know what Troy said and all that stuff, uh, the bullets, and it's hard to win 20 games and kind of, you know, I guess saying that when you have injuries and some deficits, you know, and he was very professional about it. Dwayne Casey is a really good guy. I mean, he's respected throughout the league. You know, uh, he's great with the media, he's great with the players, you know, no question. You know, was coach of the year at one point in Toronto, right? So, um uh, there's no question, but when you win, when your winning clip is 315 over five years, I'm not exactly sure what kind of like fount of knowledge exactly you think you're going to get out of this guy or what, you know, I mean, he's, how old is he? He's like kind of in his early 65. 65. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't know. Um, is he just, they consider him a great basketball mind. And we don't know the, 
exact depth of their personal relationship. Maybe Casey has helped Weaver in ways that we don't exactly understand all the time. And I will say that one thing you can say about the Pistons through all this losing is they have been professionally kept together. Nobody's been lashing out. There's been no weird, you know, drama in the locker room and on the court. It hasn't spilled over and people complaining about playing time and this and that and the role. So, you know, if you don't see any drama, that doesn't just happen when you have a team that wins 17 games. There's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of problems, a lot of, you know, things going on behind the scenes when you, when a team loses that that much. So, I don't, I don't, I can't recall. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a case of this, you know, I'm not sure locally, if I can think back far enough of when they decided, hey, we're going to soft landing, we're going to kick the guy upstairs and, you know, maybe he can help out in other ways. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly weird. And um, they had, to, I'm, we were, we were questioning this season, right? I mean, what was going to happen if he, if he, didn't win bigger or whatever, but the Kate Cunningham injury early in the season was such a complicating factor. So they probably made the move. Unfortunately, it was unfortunate for Casey. They didn't have his number one guy, but they made, they probably made the move that was right. It's not like he was going to like suddenly start winning at a huge clip probably next year. So it was time. Well, and the other thing too, is if you think about the longer game, even if they did improve next year with Casey, which, if they're healthy, they, they, I'm sure they will, or they're sure they would have. You know, at that point, he's 66. At the end of his contract, how much longer is he going to coach anyway, right? So why not start that process now? And, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. Troy Uber said in his, his <clears throat> excuse me, his season in a press conference that one of the things that stuck out about the season to him was the early West Coast, was relatively early when they went on a West Coast trip, and it was a six-game trip. But I don't remember if they won more than one game, I know they beat Golden State. Sadiq Bay hit a hit a prayer from 35 feet at the buzzer to win it. But um, he mentioned that they were in every game, and they were. And I do remember f- thinking, and this was after they'd lost Cunningham, but they still had just about everybody else, if I'm not mistaken, uh, especially Bohan Bogdanovich, who was their, their leading scorer this year, who they did not have, you know, down the stretch for a, at least a month. But... But I do remember at that time thinking, wow, these guys are showing a little bit of fight even though they're losing, and that was without Cunningham. But they, to me, the, the problem was Carlos eventually, and you can also say, okay, they lost Bogdanovich, Burks went down. I mean, they were without six rotation players by the end. But, you know, I, I don't think that that kind of fight was consistent enough in the second half of the season, right? Especially defensively now, again, and you know, way in here, but young teams in the NBA just don't defend well. I mean, uh, San Antonio, and I use this as an example because the NBA is just a little different and tricky this way. But they're they're led by one of the best coaches of this generation, and Greg Popovich, and that team gave up fifty percent from the floor as from the field on the season. And this is a Popovich, right? So they they were one of the worst defensive teams in the in the NBA too. And to Casey's point, and even Weaver's point to a degree, you know, you just don't win with young teams in the NBA, and you really don't defend. So I know a lot of the fan base was frustrated with how they played defense, but I I do think there were some nights that they just didn't compete. There weren't that many of them, but there were enough that kind of made you wonder. You know, Dwayne Casey was talking about, hey, they they probably need a new voice, you know? And I thought that showed some pretty good self-awareness, right? That they that they, could, that they could benefit from that. I mean, it's it's a. I don't want to get off on you know. I don't want to pull a Sean Windsor and start talking about my sport, but like Jeff Blaschel, right? That was the question. Was 
he was competent, he was well-liked and respected, but when they were getting their teeth kicked in, you know, often enough that you figure, is his message getting through? Is that, is that uh, competition, that nightly competition, is it, is it still there? And that's exactly what you're saying is, is that going to carry over? Is he going to be able to instill that even when, when all the Sean Windsor, you know, moons and stars align and they get that guy from France, you know, that you're scared about, uh, too much media coming in and kicking you out of your uh, premium seats, floor seats for Sean Windsor. No, no, not sure floor that. seats. Right now we're in the upper lower bowl, but uh, yeah, yeah, we get the we're, we're going to be up in the rafters where we sit. We'll be in the hockey press box. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be across the street at the garage. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And the age thing, you're, you're exactly right. You know, and then it's not like uh, people were. I don't. I don't think you know. Reading some comments on uh, on our stories. I don't think uh, not one person was like, damn it, you should have kept Dwayne. We, he was one year away from turning no, this the, thing yeah, around, the, you know, the fans so were, everybody was ready for it to happen. They were, the, the fan base was ready to go. And the coach, you know, coach is always going to get the first blame, right? And, and the coaches, I mean, in any sport, a coach matters, yeah. you know, obviously in the NBA, the coach doesn't matter quite as much as say college basketball or, uh, or well, nowhere near as much as college basketball or football. Right. But, um, right. but the, you know, you could argue about baseball and hockey, but the coach does matter in the NBA for sure. I just think um, it was just a it was the, it was a, an accumulation, right? That was part of it too. Like if you just had this year, then you can the fans base and even maybe the organization. You and I would be saying, okay, look, you don't lose your best player in a basketball court and not have it feel exponential. I mean, I wrote, and I wrote about that a little bit. It's not. I mean, obviously, maybe you lose your quarterback in football. It's a similar kind of thing. But you lose your best player in basketball, who also happens to handle the ball as a primary bar, ball handler. You're really going to feel that. It's going to ripple out. It's, you don't just lose his points. You don't just lose the numbers, right, the production and the stat sheet. You lose, uh, you lose organization. You lose a certain amount of swag. You lose uh, a certain amount of competitive spirit. You know, Troy Weaver talked about also, you know, losing Isaiah Stewart, who – is not a great player by any stretch, but uh, but he is one of the guys that competes every single night, and that you know that takes a toll. So if this year had come in a vacuum, I think we would be a lot more willing to say, right, look look at what they lost. Of course they're going to sink, but the problem is it's coming off those the previous two years, right? Now, real quickly, and I'm curious again what you think here. What's odd is that. Other than well, Killian Hayes got a little bit better, although he, he but he fell off again. But but he did to Troy Weaver's point, he did have guys on the all rookie team each of the last three years, and some of the young guys did get better. I mean, I, even even uh, Isaiah Stewart was was better today, or better, excuse me, this year before he got shut down with an injury. But Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey really got better. So how much is that? Just those guys? They're wired that way. How much of that is Wayne Casey? Do you look at the larger record of when he was in Toronto and had a bunch of young guys and they all got considerably better and turned into a playoff team? I mean, does he get any credit for that at all? Or is it going to take the franchise winning and then it'll be a retroactive thing where you look back and say, well, he did help start some of those guys on their path. What, what do you, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, 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 he should get some credit, but I mean, you know, I mean, basketball is such a talent-based sport. Um, yeah, there's coaching evolve and development, but kind of 
you know, you are who you are as a shooter. You know, if you can hit the outside shot, if you can dunk, if you can defend, you know, all these things, you can obviously get better, but it's kind of your profile is your profile. You know, I, I think a little bit about the, about that comment and some of the comments, uh, I think it was quite Casey himself who made those comments about this is a great place, uh, you know, for a coach to come, you know, it's desirable, whatever that, that's just, that's the Zillow listing, man. That's the, that's the, Hey, you know, fixer. It's a, it's a, it's got potential. It's, it's a cute fixer upper, you know, you, you can, you know, in the NBA, I mean, you know, this is why you love basketball is always peddling hope and potential and all that. And I'm glad in your column, you did mention that by the way, that, you know, this team has potential. It has, you know, Cade and, and Ivy and Duran, you know, and, and that is something young players, um, that is potential, but how, how, tired are people in Detroit, uh, you know, as I wrote, right? I call it, I call it a dirty word. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, if you're just a Pistons fan, you're sick of it. But if you're a Detroit sports fan in general, you're really sick of it. Right. Because it's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is not, I mean, but let me ask you that. What's the, what's, how desirable is this? You know, like take your Sean Windsor, you know, unofficial mayor Detroit hat on off how desirable really is this? Because you don't, potential is one thing, but you don't have LeBron, you don't have John Morant, you don't have, you know, some of these, you know, Steph, you don't have, you don't have any superstars on this team. Any guy like, whoa, Kate hasn't really proven anything yet. Potential hasn't proven anything. So they, what do you have right now that really what makes us a desire? Is it a desirable job? Well, it absolutely is, but it is not Steve Kerr going to the Warriors in 2015, taking over Mark Jackson. Right where you're taking over a young team, but it just got into the second round of the playoffs, right? Right. And taking the Spurs to six games, and Curry and Thompson are in their, I don't know, what, what were they, in their mid-20s at that point or whatever, and, and um, you know, dropping 40 against one of the one of the great teams of that era. And the, yeah, th- this, is, this is not that. Could it be that? I, you know, no, I, I look, I'm not saying there's Steph Curry on this team or LeBron, as you say, or even Ja. However, you know, what's Jaden Ivey's ceiling, right? What's Kate Cunningham's ceiling? I mean, Jalen Duran, as Paul George, uh, the all-star forward for the, you know, your your team, the Los Angeles Clippers, said on a podcast recently, I mean, <laughs> recently right? This guy, this guy, I mean, you, you can hear, you. he was talking about his grown man's strength. <laughs> and his intensity and all these other things. So, so you can hear other players just sort of randomly talking about some of the guys on the Pistons right now, some of the young guys, three the three young guys basically on the Pistons, unprompted. And that, and that's the thing, and that's what coaches, and coaches know, that I'm, they don't care about what the other players say, but they know. So they see the difference is, I mentioned that Warriors team, I'm trying to think of another example where a coach comes in with a team that's about ready to win. These guys aren't quite ready to win, right? But Thompson and Curry were probably 25 when Curry took over. 24, maybe 25. Maybe Thompson was 24 and Curry was 25. And Green was probably right in that area, Draymond. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, though, a huge difference still between 21 and 24, right? That's that's three years, and that's a long, long time, right? And, and fans are sort of fed up with that, right? But it, it really is going to take another few years before we see what these guys truly are as players. But it's hard to ask a fan base to be patient when it's already, you know, what what's it feel like, a decade-long rebuild or longer. 
Well, that's the that was the disappointing part about Casey's. You figured this is a veteran coach who's who's you know you know gotten close to a title you know with a really good team and and maybe he's the difference you know and the I mean you coming off of Stan Van Gundy too really respected veteran coach maybe they need to go the other way with a younger guy who's gonna kind of develop with a I don't know maybe it's hard to say what they need exactly but it, it was it was so. Uh, Casey looked and sounded like the right guy and it didn't work out, but I don't know where you go here, but I, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't see this. I mean, like you said, you know, they haven't won. I mean, they have not, this team does not know how to win, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all sports, all sports is about potential and ceilings and all this. And this is why other teams like to talk about it. Cause it's easy to talk about things that haven't happened. Oh yeah. This is, this guy's good. You know, Jeff Okuda is going to be the next, you know, Hall of Fame. He has Hall of Fame potential. Just say whatever you want. Nobody's ever going to hold you to it. People love these kind of little, you know, snippets and, you know, talking points that are, oh, this guy thinks he's great. Yeah, sure. Ceiling potential. And when it's not met, oh, well, you know, nobody really cares. So I think that, you know, right now, if you're a coach coming into the situation, I'd be scared. You know, I, I would not want to come to the Pistons. If I was a, a like a, a top flight, top and, you know, higher, this would not be probably my choice because you've got to, you know, and it's one thing, and I don't know. I mean, they talked about when they're going to hire a coach that there's no timetable on it, but they certainly got to hire one before the draft, right? Or do can they wait after the draft and see if they get, you know, Wembanyama that that maybe that'll change things for, for a coaching well, search? Well, the lottery will be while the playoffs are going on. So, and this is a year where if you win the lottery, you kind of know who's coming, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would think they would wait. I mean, they would hire a coach before the draft, no question. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I think you asked. I didn't really answer the question you asked me earlier. I because well, we were talking about the difference between twenty one, twenty two year old guys and twenty four, twenty five year old guys, and it's a huge difference. But um, and I wrote this, and I, I think this is true. A couple of years ago, a few years ago, when when we were drafted. Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and I, or Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. I think, think it was a, I think that was the order. And then they showed a little bit of something as rookies, not Killian, <clears throat> not Hayes, excuse me, but Bay and, and Stewart did. <clears throat> but I don't remember at any point around here or any, even in the NBA world at large in the country, people thinking those were three future all stars, right? That, that was right. never the case. But that's right. what you, but that's, what NBA people think the potential is for all three of Duran, Cunningham, and Ivy. And that's the difference. And that's why this job is absolutely very attractive. And then you add in... Um, they probably thought that about Darko, by the way. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, I don't know. As soon as people saw Darko play, it was kind of like, what? Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, you got a, you got a year of tape on all three of these guys now. Yeah, And not only that, you saw them get better. You saw Cunningham get better a year ago and um, how he could at times control the game. And then, you, I mean, the way the way Ivy, Duran too, but the way Ivy got better, I think it surprised people because he started doing things that were not in the scouting report. There were, there were lots of questions about him at draft time yeah. and his improvement. And I think what you've got are three guys that are, that are, uh, that are competitive and work. And so that's that's half of it too. But as as we were said, look, coaches understand what they're looking at, and they do. So yeah, I, it's going to be a very very attractive job with the facilities, 
the fact that it's one of the outside of New York and Boston and LA, it's one of the it's one of the next tier sort of NBA franchises. I think that helps a little bit. They were tenth in attendance this year. I mean, I was at I was at a game a couple of weeks ago where they played the Miami Heat, and it was here they are at that point. They won sixteen games, and it was sort of shocking. Well, not really, but still, it is when you see it. Even though you know intellectually, this is a really good basketball town. It was surprising how loud it was, right? And that's mm-hmm. a, and that's another thing. So there's a it's a great fan base. And um, do you remember how it was at the Palace when they were rolling? I oh, mean, yeah. that was the best crowd, one of the best two or three crowds in, in basketball. And so all those things, I think, help a little bit, too. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I You know, maybe maybe if you've got Udoka or some other some of the other top candidates and Wembenyama goes to Charlotte or goes to Washington, D.C., that's where they want to go. That I guess that's possible. You want a chance at a, at a talent like that. But uh, that comes with its own kind of pressure too, right? And, and the coach that takes over that kind of player rarely stays. You know, it's like, do you remember who coached LeBron when he was a rookie? Actually, Mike Brown. He's uh, he's a Sacramento Kings coach. He's a good coach. But, you know, when you come in that early, you don't usually get to see it. It's like Scotty Brooks, who coached the Oklahoma City Thunder back when Durant and Westbrook and James Harden were all rookies. Well, I mean, not rookies, but they were all young, like these guys yeah. are young. You know, you get to be for part of that growth, and then somebody else steps in. Mark Jackson for the Warriors had Clay Thompson and Steph Curry when they were really young. But then Steve yeah. Kerr comes in, right? So I would think, you know, whoever comes in understands there's a chance that they could get better, they could develop, and then somebody else has to come. Yeah. No, that's 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 uh it's gonna be interesting to see. That's a that's a really good point that uh, you know, maybe this is a placeholder, right? If they do get, you know, their top pick and um one by Yana, and uh, but maybe that's a good problem to have. I think for uh, for all of us here in Detroit. Oh, it would be great. I mean, because with all the rebuild stuff you're talking about, and how people are just tired of the potential, 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 potential. And the funny thing is, is Wembenyama is not going to come in and and be the MVP right away, right? So he'll need some time too. But wouldn't that be crazy to to have that kind of? <laughs> I mean, uh, in three or four years, he's going to be great. Yeah, that's the thing, though. No, but, but to have that kind of interest, right? I mean, but look how yeah. it looks out. I mean, and, and and we can talk about this as we get closer to the draft, especially if they win the lottery. But let me just make this this last point. You got to take Victor Wembanyama if you win the lottery. No question. But it reminds me a little bit of, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him. It reminds me a little bit of Zion Williamson a few years ago, who, if you remember, when he was at Duke, was the, the biggest college star of the last decade, right? Yep. And yep. just a just a monster sort of the the his size that athleticism just the way he played it was different it looked different it looked new it's like okay here's the new sort of different kind of evolution of Charles Barkley or whatever and um and you had to take him because it was star power w- whatever GM was going to have to take him because the owner of that franchise is like there's no way you're not taking Zion Williamson yeah. we're going to sell tickets right. And John Morant's the is I mean, Williamson hardly plays. He may eventually be better, but John Morant, you know, was number two pick that year. You know, you wonder, is there gonna be a deal like this with this year? And again, we don't wanna go down that rabbit hole, but it's interesting to think about. You never know. Uh, the drive, as our as our good friend Dave Burkett mentioned in uh, you know, right after the Lions traded uh Jeff Okuda to the 
to the Falcons. Like it just tells you what a crapshoot any draft is, NFL or any draft. You just don't know the player himself, but also how he fits within the structure of that team. And if you're getting a team, a really good player that high, you've got problems on your team. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Right. Oh, for true. sure. Unless you have somebody else's pick, you know, like the Pistons did with Darko. Yeah. But, uh, but it doesn't generally work out that way. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl Sashan. All right, we're going to get into the Tigers here um, because I guess we have to because they play in Detroit and we are. A yeah, they're just, you know, just a little baseball team. Yeah, out there. We're a newspaper in Detroit. No, no, no. They've already, speaking of rebuilds and potential and all that. Uh, oh, boy. But before we get there, real quickly, um, what have you th- thought of Isaiah Thomas's? I don't want to call it a redemption tour, but his uh, history. <laughs> History revenge tour. tour. How about revenge, yeah, revenge tour? Revenge tour, history corrector <laughs> tour. He's, he likes to see himself as a fact of, you know, a truth dispenser, some kind of old sage who's, you know, <laughs> trying to fix all the revision, what he thinks is a revisionist history. <laughs> Just he was, on, he was on a podcast called All the Smoke that's run by former NBA players uh, Matt Barnes and, and Stephen Jackson. And it was it, it was so long. I had to make it two parts. It was three hours. It, each was about an hour and a half. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And I listened to it. What is it with basketball people? They, the last dance has to be like forty parts. This thing has to be two. Why can't they just get their point across? I know. In one and shot? you listen to it, and it's just it's always everybody else's thing. It's you know, it's <laughs> Isaiah was such a great, great player, and it seems to me that there's some difficulty in just sort of being okay with being that great, great player. And, I don't want to psychoanalyze too much, but uh, that podcast was 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 really something. In any case, you know, obviously the the biggest part of all this that's, that's created so much news is the beef that he has with Michael Jordan, right? And Connor called him out in that podcast again. But um, you know, just the petty things like there was a there was a anniversary of Jordan scoring fifty five or fifty six at the Silver Dome a couple of weeks ago. And somebody just tweeted the highlights. There's some basketball site just tweeted the highlights. Like, wow, wasn't this something? Isaiah retweets it with, <laughs> let it be known that we won the title that year. You know what I mean? Be- and we beat the Bulls in the playoffs. He had no reason to do that. It just, <laughs> right? Anyway. Isaiah's out in the weeds just waiting, just waiting to pick somebody off on Twitter. That's, uh, well, okay. Well, to be fair to Zeke, right? right Charles Oakley starts it. Uh, he's on the podcast, and he he says, uh, you know, Jordan came into your city and took your and took, took your, your city, city, meaning Chicago, right? You know, uh, and that's why you're really mad. He took over Chicago, and then and then Thomas fires back on Twitter. He's like, I remember us kicking your ass a lot. Someone, <laughs> please check my record as any team we we he played on. Sit down, be humble. Like, oh, it's just. I mean, and you know what? Hey, I will say this: like Isaiah was left off that '92 Dream Team, and that was com- that was a complete miscarriage of justice. That was so wrong. It was. Um, I'm I it, when this happened, I didn't live in Detroit, you know, and I everybody thought it was wrong. I lived in L.A. It was like, how can this happen? And this is just petty between Jordan and, and Thomas, and it, it was it was just wrong. Um, should he be mad about it still? Thirty years later, I don't know. I mean, uh. You know what? I, and 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 I hate to use a really big word, Sean, but hey, geography. 
you know, the the kind of uh, the overpouring overzealousness, you know, uh, showering people with uh, with praise, kind of a thing. No, I'm I, that's really pompous of me to use that word, but anyway, um, I think that that's. That's what he. Wait a second. That's what he bristles at. Wait a second, please, please, humbly. It's no different than bibliography or biography or autobiography. It's the same thing. It's just. Oh yeah, go go get ten people anywhere you go, even in Smarty Pants, Ann Arbor, where you live. Go get ten people on the street. Say that's not the point. The point is, it's just a specific word, and it's it's just you know it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be uh, considered all that fancy. Anyway, go. uh, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, hegemony coming coming in a Sean Windsor column at you soon. Um, no, I like it. I like it. I like looking up words and I read. That's columns, not a word so. I would use, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're, it's gonna it's coming. Um, no, but that's that's the whole thing. It's just the 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 pettiness and the and and uh, well, Isaiah, you know, bristling. I think at all this Jordan adoration and honestly, you know, there's a new there's a movie that just came out about you know the shoe, the Air Jordan and all that, and Sonny Vaccaro and all that stuff. So Phil Knight. Which I'll probably see, but anyway, I, you kind of you kind of get tired of it. I could imagine, and especially if you were one of his biggest rivals in his era, uh, it's got to be tiresome, right, to have to hear that and all this stuff. And it's I don't blame him, but but going public with it as often as he can is uh, is all kind of a different level. But as I love it, it's great. No, it's really. I'm just trying. I mean, he's done this on and off over the years, but I don't recall a time where it's just been so concentrated into a few weeks, right? It's just one thing after another. Yeah, he's definitely on a petty tour, right? I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no question. And 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 before we, <clears throat> the last thing I'll, I'll say, um, it's not the last word though. You have the last word. But the last thing I'll say is that I think it still mostly works for this region because what he feels and that chip on his shoulder. I mean, this, yeah. this, this guy was one of the one of the best players who's ever played the game. And, you know, after Magic and and, uh, and Bird, probably the third best player of that early part of the generation before Jordan sort of ascended. But he he represents our area and the city in particular to some degree, right? I mean, he does. that Because I think a lot of people around here who love basketball feel like that bad boys team yeah. doesn't get remembered as it should. And it's funny because... Isaiah Thomas talked about how the team is the most misunderstood team in the history of, of basketball. He said that on the podcast. And I was arguing about the, this with the great Vinnie Goodwell the other day, actually, former Detroit News uh, Pistons writer, a national basketball writer now. And he, he thought they were, but I, 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 I thought they were completely understood when they were playing. I just think they're, I think, I knew what he meant, though. I, I think they're misremembered. I, you know, right? I, I think that we forget just how... Hugs just how good they were and how skilled they were and how ahead of their time they were in certain aspects. The the guard, the stretch big, the the guard play, all this sort of thing. And a wing down. They couldn't have they couldn't have existed in today's NBA. I mean you can't breathe on people now. So well, they couldn't no, have been they as could physical. because they were so skilled offensively. I mean they, of course <laughs> they could have. They they did they 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 would have different issues with big lumbering bigs like a lot of those teams in the back in those days. Stepping out and guarding pick and rolls and all that. But that's a different story. But but um, but anyway, yeah. That to me, I think Thomas, even though he may may not be doing it in his soul for this city, it's still for him. I think the fact that he's doing it, it feels like to a lot of people he's doing it for this city, and I think that still probably resonates. He's probably not, but yeah, that's uh, it does resonate. He's the guy sticking up for the bad boys, and the bad boys are. I mean, the, is there any team that has had such a clear? identity that has resonated with our community 
in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can't, I mean, even the production line of the fifties, you know, with the Red Wings, I mean, everybody's dead now who watched the those six, teams play. The 68 but. Tigers team, but that was more timing and place and the context of history at that point, right? Yeah. And then not but so there was much no the identity. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And right. even with the 84 Tigers, the Red Wings, you know, the grind line, whatever, you know, I mean, but there was not that, the bad boy, I mean, the bad boys. And like, like I said, national perspective, I did not live here when the Battles were playing, but they were awesome. I mean, to me, they were on the level of the Fab Five, you know, that such a, 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 an iconic team for the ages in all of sports, not just basketball. I mean, people just, they, it resonates. You say bad boys, everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. As great as the, as fun as the going to work, you know, crew was, they'll never be the bad boys. I mean, oh, it was just no. uh-uh. amazing. I mean, the, the documentary about him was great and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's uh, Daddy Rich. I mean, you can't, you can't you just go on and on with this <laughs> I team. I mean, it's, no, it's true. I mean, they're, they're, their coach was the coach of the dream team, right? It's just, yeah, with his own, with his own nickname. And yeah, they were, uh, they were something and they were a cultural force and a lot of people didn't like them, but they tuned in because they wanted to see them oh, outside, yeah. outside of this area. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And, you, and it was a team that was, uh, you, you loved to see them because they were fun or whatever, but you, you hated them because of Mahorn and Lambeer and thugs and whatever. Right. And, and then I just got lumped into that too. Right. And I think that that, I think, I think to some degree, I say it's, it's not just the Jordan beef. I think to some degree Isaiah Thomas is still is chasing that time before the bad boys when he was as beloved about as anybody. You know, he was right behind Magic and Bird in terms of one of the most beloved players in the league. And, I mean, I, I remember watching him when I was – before I moved to Michigan in 80 – the first time I moved to Michigan, it was in 87. And I loved watching Isaiah. And, and anybody I knew that loved basketball where I was living, they loved, the, they loved watching the Pistons because of him. They were an up-and-down – Show then, right? They didn't defend much. They had Keller Tripuka and you know all these all the <laughs> yeah all these other guys. But Isaiah was the way he handled the ball, the skill, right? I mean, he was different. It's amazing and and, and beloved in that smile, and that's what he was known for. And I I think I it was fake. Everybody else in the league says no, it was for fake. sure. But but at that point, the public didn't think yeah. that. And yeah. I think once the bad boys happened, especially you know toward the end of the bad boys, it it changed. And sometimes I wonder if he's chasing that that time when he was truly, truly beloved and a superstar in a different kind of way. I don't know. Maybe, but I, you know, if I were Isaiah, I'd be very happy to be part of one of these, uh, you know, amazing teams, iconic teams uh, that will forever be remembered. I mean, the, the Bulls will be remembered just for it being Jordan. You know, that was those were not those are not uh, iconic teams. You know, the teams. He was iconic. He was amazing. Well, him Pippen, and Pippen, Pippen and him and Phil Pippen. G- that's all it was. And Jackson, right? So you you no. think of that? You think of that coach almost as much as anybody. Oh yeah, those, Phil Jackson. After those yeah. two players, the next person you think about is the coach. Yeah, right? but there was no identity with that team. There was the just triangle, great. right? But who who cares about that, right? Who I mean, cares? Just, Nobody cares. They had if, didn't have a. If you don't have a cool nickname, you're not an iconic team. You know, you can be great, but you can you you aren't necessarily an iconic team. You know, Showtime with the Lakers, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, he should be happy with that. But I, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he can't does. get a can't get a head coaching job or GM job, whatever. You know, and there's probably something in the background, you know, around the league that he doesn't like with his reputation. And uh, 
I just want to see more of it. That's all I ask for uh, Isaiah Thomas is more. I mean, maybe he can uh, get Jody to come out on Twitter well, with him. I would uh, prefer that he do it in June or July when we're, or, you know. <laughs> Well, when we need stuff to write. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was joking with our our editor about that. I'm like, oh, man, this is good. And we know, and people did read it. And we knew we knew people were going to read it because it's it was yeah. It's Isaiah Thomas, and you just don't see very many players doing what he just did the last couple of weeks. You just don't sit down and be humble. We beat your ass, right? <laughs> you just don't see that very much. So, but I was joking. I'm like, God, why didn't he wait a month to do? <laughs> <laughs> There'll to, be more to do this. But uh, in any case, all right, uh, we're gonna, I'm sure, get into the Tigers as we go through the next uh, month or so, as much as people can handle. But just your initial thoughts on this: What are they? Two and eight at this point. They two lost. And eight. Uh, they lost as of this recording. They lost nine to three. Was it to Toronto? And they had another injury. I shouldn't say another injury. It just seems like it. Is a yeah. carryover from last year. Their pitcher, Matt Manning, broke a bone in his hand or no foot, his foot on a foot. comebacker. Yep. Sorry. And um, who knows how long he's going to be out, but, you know, had some opportunities early in the game, then lost. It's just sort of the story. You know, they, they can't hit. Their, their starting pitching is, you know, what it is. The bullpen is obviously not great. What, what, what say you, man? I know it's early. It's just been, what, 11 games? 10 games. It feels yeah, like 11 oh, or maybe oh, two, more. Yeah, they've only won two. You're right. Sorry, two and eight. Yeah. Two and eight. Yeah. Two and eight. Well, that projects out to 34 wins this year. Um, <laughs> so uh, and I think you had them in, going to the wild card or playing game no, or something. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick them. I wasn't very high on their prospects. I don't How many think. wins? I, I picked 69 wins. How I want to say in the, 60, uh, in the 60s somewhere. You did not pick in the 60s. You picked in the mid-70s probably. Anyway, yeah, it's going worse than we thought. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it feels like the plane's going right into the side of the mountain. They're not even going to, like, try to get around it. Um, what's that old line? I forget the I forget the coach's line, you know, and I think it was a football line. But the, the Tigers' version is, you know, we can't hit, but, you know, we're making up for it by not being able to pitch, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, the starting pitchers can't throw strikes. Uh, the Tigers have no pop. Buys is down to fifth in the order as of yesterday on uh, when they started this series in, and plumbing, in Toronto. Right? I'm sorry. And plummeting. And probably plummeting. Um, Austin Meadows having, you know, more personal issues and taking a leave. It's just not, it's not going great. I mean, uh, Torkelson at least is hitting a little bit. He's not nose diving like he did last year at the beginning of the season. So he's, maybe there's a little bit of hope. Um, I liked his, I mean, he, he played well defensively last year at first base. I think he's, he, that guy's a chance to be a gold lover at first base. I really like how he plays the position. Um, uh, Matt Bierling, the right fielder, um, who they got in a trade with the Phillies, I believe it was. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been good. He's been, you know, leading off, and now he's hitting, I think, third in the lineup. So there's some a little bit of promise there. But as a team, uh, it's not going great. And I, I said it. I mean, I, I wrote it that in our little predictions, whatever, I said the, the Tigers and the A's are going to be fighting for the worst, you know, team in baseball season long. I think the Royals will even be better. So I... I don't know. And it was first you first they lose to the Rays, right? They get swept in Tampa. But then it turns out Tampa's gonna go 162 and 0, apparently. They're never gonna lose. Um, and then they win the series two out of three in Houston. Oh, World Series champs. That's really encouraging, you know. And then they go come home and then they get, you know, swept by Boston at home. 
Um, they're not the, the first best Red series. Sox team either, right? I they're mean. not a good. Yeah, they're not even expected really to make the playoffs. I mean, they're maybe a 500 team. So, uh, yeah, that's so it's like back and forth. And now they're in Toronto, and it's just not. It's I, I don't think anybody had high expectations for this team. No, um, but this is not. And and the 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 worrisome part about it is, you know, which is. Scott Harris, the team, you know, president is never going to say this, you know, but his whole thing has been, we got to dominate the strike zone, pitching wise, hitting wise, you know, they got to be, you know, throw strikes, you know, and also be judicious about pitches that they go after. But how long is that going to take, you know, because it, it doesn't happen right away, you know, coming from his, uh, his previous stop or his, his place where he was, you know, came up through baseball in San Francisco. I don't think it, happened right away from them and then they they got it from the Dodgers and it didn't happen right away for the Dodgers either so it takes probably more than a season to you know really push that through your organization you know from all the lower levels up into the the big leagues to get that philosophy down you know with all the hitting coaches with all the pitching coaches with all the development with all the everything um so this is not a team that, you know, I think anybody thought was going to catch fire necessarily, but, and it's, it's early, Sean, I know you love potential, but what do you think? Is there, is there any hope? Because in my experience, you don't get any healthier as baseball goes on. And the, the Manning thing is kind of a freak thing, you know, like who can control that? But uh, you could almost, I didn't see his, con- I didn't see him say this, but I read the comments and he's like, I don't have time for this stuff, you know, and he needs to develop and you could almost, I think he was saying, I'll be back in five days. And I have to think that way. It's like a young guy on the cusp of having a potentially good major league career, you know? So how angry must you be that this kind of weird freak thing happens to you? Um, So, and he said it didn't even feel like a broken bone right away. It just felt like a bruise or whatever it might be. But is there any salvation for this team? What can, can they can they win enough or show enough potential to get Sean Windsor to come to his second baseball Hell game yeah, this season? I'll, I'll come. I'll come to a few games, but no, I don't think. I, I don't think there's going to be. I mean, to me, the best you can hope for is that the 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 young the two young hitters show something, right? I mean, it's funny when we say potential. What are we really talking about? I mean, in order to say that and say, boy, this this person has this kind of ceiling, or you wouldn't want to put a ceiling on, or what's the floor, or whatever. I know all those silly things we talk about, but. God, I hate that. I hate the stupid ceiling and floor things. But, Go ahead. But, but potential is you've got to see something. We are talking about the Pistons earlier with, with Ivy and Duran. What did we see? We saw Jaden Ivy start taking over games the last month, right, at times, you know, and and doing things that we didn't know he could do. He actually did them. Same with uh, Jalen Duran. That's the thing. When You have to see that. So for Torkelson and Riley Green – we got to see them get hot for 12 days, 10 days, whatever, right? We, we haven't seen that yet. We got to see them start spraying the, the ball around or whatever, using their, using their bat in a different way, you know, just kind of figuring out how to play cat and mouse with the pitcher a little bit better. I mean, obviously the defense, you mentioned Torkelson's defense, Green looks pretty good in center field too. That we've seen at least some, but, but we need to see. They, ha- they have to do it. They don't have to do it for a whole season. That's to me. That's where you say potential. But if they do it for stretches and then fall off, and then do it for another stretch, that's when you can say, okay, now you can start to believe that there might be something. You know what I mean? To me, that's what that's what potential is. To me, that that I think 
I think the fan base would be fairly uh, okay if they saw something from the two guys that are supposed to carry the middle of the lineup for the next decade. You know what I mean? No, that's that that you're definitely right. I mean, that's the the, the those are guys who are going to be you think the key. They're part of the the key to what's going to happen. Um, but you know, I'll give you my Dodgers example of. You know, I think that you can have some really good young players. You can have people like, you know, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, these guys, right? I, I mean, say really good yeah. players. Like but that doesn't swing. mean they're going to be there for a decade. You know, they play well. They don't exactly measure up. And then you get you let them go. You trade them. You let them go in free agency, whatever it is. You have to, you can't, you have to constantly be, you know, churning that roster. You can't just expect that you're going to hold these guys here forever. So they're part of the puzzle, but I think I think we're if Scott Harris is the GM, you know, whatever team president, and I think he's going to be, and if he's going to follow the Giants model and the Dodgers model, you know, you're not going to keep your guys around forever. I mean, even the great Justin Verlander wasn't kept around; he was dealt at some point. So you you have to be willing to to churn that roster. But these guys, for now. I wouldn't care. I mean, I, I mean, to me, they, I, they can have a good season. They can show promise, and I think that's what this season is going to be about more. But to me, it's how do you fill out the roster? How do you guy, how do you find guys like Matt Vierling? You know, how do you how do you identify these players who can be contributors? Because you don't really you don't really need it in baseball. I mean, you're up on you're up at the plate, and yeah, it helps to be have some protection in the order and all this other stuff. But you are who you are at the plate. You know, that's that's not going to change a whole lot. Um, you may see a, a few better pitches of, you know, Derek Jeter's hitting behind you or whatever, Aaron Judge, but uh, you got to do it on your own. Um, so I, I I would like to see what they're going to do. And I, obviously they're going to be sellers this year, you know, already. I mean, nobody ever had a question about that. Um, but how is this roster going to be filled out? How is Hinch going to get the most out of these guys and not let these things just, you know, cascade and, the teams are not being competitive. How is he going to manage the bullpen? You know, the bullpen has a lot of questions. Um, he seems like he's just going to be rolling guys out there, and nobody has a really specific role at this point. Um, so this team's, I think this team's just, this season's going to be all about how this team grows, figuring things out, hopefully seeing some development from the younger players, but finding contributors out there that maybe you can hold on to uh, beyond the season and then taking that next step you know, next year and see, see where the prospects come in next year too. But, uh, it's just, um, I don't think any expected, anybody expected a two and eight after 10 games. Um, no, they didn't. But getting back to your Dodgers, I mean, they had a couple of guys come up while well, they, right. Had some pitching too, but a couple of guys come up and, and pop and that's what you got to have. I mean, yeah, you could go out and fill it out and get some free agents and make trades and so forth. But, but these days you need, you need a couple of guys to come up and pop. You know, and I think, and yeah. and I don't know if Green and Torkelson are going to be those two guys or not. But we're talking about what the fan base wants to see, what they're going to be. Ha- they want to see a couple of the young guys show that they're going to be around, and they may not. They don't have to be here for ten years, but you know, five, six, seven. Yeah, obviously you could trade them and maybe get a better player, and uh, it, it works that way too. But it's just been a while since they've had somebody <clears throat> that can hit right. That's uh that's coming up. I think that's a fun process for the fans. I, I think the same thing with Scooble when he comes back later this year, you know, because he showed a lot right before he got hurt. 
And uh, yeah. be, cu- be curious to see where he is. That would be fun for fans if he came back and every fifth game, you know, you're get you're you're in a game because he's that good. I don't know if he'll be that good again, but who knows? Yeah, I think that, that that's a good point, you know. And they got they got some pitchers on you know on the injury list, and you know, I think Michael Lorenzen, you know, I've uh, kind of followed his career since he was in college, and um, I think he'll be a nice little addition if he stays healthy. Good veteran arm, you know, probably you know, trade bait at some point, but, but, uh, yeah, there, there's some, there, there, there may be some help on the way, right. At least, at least for the starting pitching. So, uh, hopefully they, 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 they there's going to be ebbs and flows and maybe, maybe this is their early ebb. Maybe they can straighten things out. It, it hasn't been the one thing with the tigers is it hasn't been wholly without promise. So it's, uh, doesn't look good but there's maybe they didn't start the season 0 and 10 you know there's been a little bit of a glimmer of hope with the with the Astros series so maybe they can uh, they can find listen a team to at you home finding the <clears throat> listen to you finding the the love and a 2 and 8 start I, what what is happening peddling the hope <laughs> i've been reading too much Sean Windsor you? man too much what Sean is Windsor going on with you? you you can only yeah you can only do that if <laughs> i don't know i still think it's 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 hard to get your head around the fact that in our professional sports landscape, the Lions are one are the ones that everybody's turning to. I mean, it's just isn't that funny? For so long, it was the winter teams, or the yeah, start the, or, or the or the Tigers who had a long you know a lot of a lot of success over a period. What's that? <laughs> Wait till the Lions start zero and three. If that, yeah. Oh God, I know <laughs> all these poor people. <laughs> watch them, watch them do that. Anyway, all right, we need to uh, take one more quick break and get back uh, and to finish this up, get you out of here, and uh, hear what your favorite thing is all about. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. It's that time of the show, Carlos. It's, uh, it's time for you to talk about how bitter you are that baseball doesn't quite have the same cultural place in this landscape. No, it's not. It's yeah. uh, time for you to share something that uh, that you want to share that means something to you. Yeah, this was uh, this is uh, you know I had some time off over the Easter break and I uh, went to see some family out in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, home of the SeaWolves, Tigers Double A team. And uh, it was nice. We got to see uh, some nephews and nieces and their families, the young kids. And I hadn't been there, uh, COVID and other issues, uh, for almost two years. I hadn't been able to get together with them at a big family thing like that. And uh, the nice thing was everybody there is a golf fan. So we were watching the Masters and the kids were running around. And uh, I forgot how much I missed that being around uh, family and and the craziness and dogs and kids and all that stuff and uh and uh, i don't i'm not like you sean i don't just you know watch tv all day long and watch every sports highlight and everything so i actually don't watch that much tv or, or sports on tv so um it Why was nice you? to You're have that sports writer i know uh i i got i got other stuff to do apparently sometimes um but uh but yeah um so it was fun to do that. It was fun to just uh, hang out and watch uh, your boy John Rahm, uh, who you call the quintessential uh, American golfer, although he's Spanish, um, win the Masters. Um, so it was uh, it was very enjoyable. That's an uh, unusual swing. 
Uh, it's a little. It's a I little. Mean, it's quick. not like Furic or anything, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, a little unorthodox. Um, but uh, it was just, it was fun to to spend that time with the family again. Well, that's awesome. My favorite thing is it's uh, seventy degrees and started <laughs> started green up just a touch. I I don't know if I've seen uh, maybe a couple of buds here and there, but I I don't know if that should be my favorite thing because it's you know, feels great. It's a little unsettling to have this kind of warmth so early in April. I mean, it seems like the last several Aprils, I can count on at least one snowfall. Um, not not a big snow, but, you know, you usually, um, you, you usually, look, this time of the year, how many times do you remember going outside in April, like mid-April, and the grass is just starting to green a little bit, and there's snow, all right, and there are little grass, green grass blades popping up through the snow, and you're like, I can't believe there's snow out there. The grass is already starting to green, and you fall for it, and every year it happens. Well, this year, yeah. it's not. I don't want to think about the reasons why. I don't want to know <laughs> why we just had the mildest winter I can remember in my adult life, you know, uh, other than some, you know, crazy ice storms and that one heavy wet snow fall we had that tore down all the trees all over town. But, but, uh, yeah, so I, look, we don't want to, we don't want to get into that. I'm just grateful to, uh, to have some, some nice warmth. That's, that's my favorite thing, you know, because dude, when you, when you have this a little bit, you know how it is in Michigan. I was driving downtown last night in Arbor to get, um, <clears throat> get a little carry out from a, from a taco place, you know, was it, it's Taco well, Bell. Yeah, it was Taco Bell. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, no, it's it Taco Bell. Yeah, no, it's I wanted the, I wanted the whitest tacos possible, and um, <laughs> that's Chipotle. Yeah, is that is that is that Chipotle? Oh my God, I guess I'm even pastier than I thought. But uh, but there were people out everywhere. You're not, you know, it, it's it's it sounds different than it does when it's July or August and you're used to it. It's striking all of a sudden to hear all this activity on the street when it warms up like this after yeah. not hearing it for so long. And that so and anyway, that's my favorite thing. Well, that's funny that you said that as uh, I had a dentist appointment yesterday on Tuesday and uh, it was a beautiful day, obviously. And I get there and like, yeah, we had a bunch of cancellations. Apparently, people want to uh, just go out and enjoy the weather, want to sit in a dentist chair for for an hour or whatever it is. So I'm sure that's part of it is everybody's out. Yeah, no, you get out of the car. Around. Yeah, last night it was 9 o'clock, whatever. You want. You get out of the car and it's like, what is that sound? Oh, that's just human beings. They're, <laughs> they're out and about, right? Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. Anyway, all right, we need to get you out of here. That's a lovely. I'm glad you got to spend time with your family. It's uh, always a pleasure to spend time with you. And um, I'll see you soon, I hope, at some point. Maybe at a maybe at a ball game. Maybe it maybe as the Red Wings clean out their locker room here pretty soon or something. In any case, we yeah. yeah, we need to think Yeah, right. No, 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 no. Dressing room. Put their sweaters away in the dressing room. Nobody says sweaters. Nobody says hockey sweaters. Uh, no, they even they don't. I mean, do they? I'm gonna report you to gritty. Oh, why don't you keep going and say fa. Fa instead of foe. <laughs> you're one of those you're one of those folks, aren't you? No, I'm not. Okay. All right. We need, to, we thank need to think. Let's think uh, Robin let's Chan. Think Robin Chan. Or, well, do we need uh, to think anybody producer? else besides Robin Chan? We better think. No, we don't. People. Kirkland who, who, Crawford, our executive editor and producer, and Anjanette Delgado, our executive editor. I'm sorry, executive producer and interim editor at the Free Press. But mostly, Sean, the fans 
and the reader or the listeners. The, the readers listeners, and listeners are probably the same thing, I don't know if they're, right? they're not fans. I if mean, you're listening, you're reading. Come on. Come on. Who's not reading if you're, if you're listening? No, to that's true. We want to dribble. thank you. Yeah, thanks for spending time with us. Uh, you can find us, Carlos, at wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple. Once you get there, subscribe, rate us, let us know what you think. And um, I don't know. We'll be back, won't we? I think, maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, Hopefully. one of these days. Yeah, no, it's it's always fun to hang out. All right, let's get you out of here. Thank you again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next week with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Sean.